building a brand and passing our identity is very important that we choose the right people. And that cannot be a barrier for us because we hire based on personality and not on CV. Because the mindset behind it is I can teach you how to become a good instructor or an amazing instructor, but I cannot teach you how to become a good person. And in fitness, being a good person matters a lot. Hi and welcome back to Kelly Loan Podcast. I am your host, business mentor, personal brand strategist and style expert on a personal mission to inspire, yes you guessed it, a minimum of five people a day to take action, do something different and just show up as the best person they aspire to be. Keep all your messages coming in. I love seeing them on Instagram when you tag me in which episode that you've loved or a particular saying that someone said that's inspired you to do something different and had an impact on your day. Thanks in advance for being one of my five a day. Drop a review on Apple Podcasts if you haven't already and come and say hi to me on any of the platforms. Let me know which episode you have loved and why. In this episode, we speak to Nuno Costa. Now, this is all about discovering the secrets of business growth for fitness and lifestyle brands. Now, he's the co-founder of Crank, a boutique fitness studio here in the UAE. And he's really been focused, you'll hear this in the episode, about creating a lifestyle brand that people really want to be part of. And his philosophy is always to put people first, higher personality and not CV. And he talks about many of the strategies in this particular episode about growing a business and hiring through people rather than just looking at a piece of paper. Nuno's fitness passion began when he was just 15 years old and since then he's been dedicated to helping others reach their fitness goals. So join us on another fantastic episode of the Killaluma podcast and learn how to create successful marketing strategies for your business and lifestyle brand. Welcome to the show Nuno, it's great to have you here. We actually have never met, we're, we're new Instagram friends. Absolutely. Thank you for having me, Kelly. It's a pleasure to be here today. Likewise, uh, you came highly recommended. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. All for good things, for really good things. So for people that don't know, why don't you give them a little bit of a backstory as to who you are and what brought you to the Middle East? Fantastic. So I'm, I'm Nunu, as you said, I'm from Portugal. I've moved here about almost 10 years ago, just out of university. I finished my master's in electronic engineering and I had a cousin living here who was like an older brother figure to me. And he's like, hey dude, why instead of you, you know, going settling a job in Portugal, just come here, just come here see if you find something. And if you don't, you don't. So that's how I kind of came here, managed to find a job was meant to stay for two years and I'm never going to leave. <laughs> it's, it's a running theme I have with pretty much everyone that's from the UAE that they're like, I was coming for two months, so I was coming for a year. And I, I never expected myself. I'm 20 years. And You're a pro. Yeah, I, I is. And I said, I came when I was a baby. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just, I don't know, it's a city that kind of captivates you for yeah. a lot longer than you think. Yeah, it's done in a very smart way. It's very appealing. Yeah. And you obviously are surrounded by people in the same situation so you kind of relate to people and then it makes it harder to leave and and then when you go back to Europe and you get used to this lifestyle which is so fast you kind of feel like Europe is a little bit slow you know not do in a bad way that, yeah but do you notice I always notice that my watch I feel like goes slower 
when I'm back home. Yes. Yeah. And you back home in the UK. I'm like, I, I don't ever feel like I look at the clock between 12 and 3 in Dubai when Those I'm working. Flies. But at home, I'm like, it's 11.30, now it's 11.41. Even when you're having a good time, yeah. it feels like you, it's slow, which is good. Because yeah, yeah. when I go there, at least it's for holidays. Mm-hmm. I, I like time to pass slow, but I totally feel that it's exactly the same That's with funny me. funny that, isn't yeah. it? So you were here, you were working. Yeah. And what is it that you do now and what took you to that? Yeah, so I initially came here to work in IT because that's what I studied. Not by passion, I would say. My parents, had, my dad especially, had a big will for me to study something that could lead me into a better financial safety in the future, let's say. And then you decided uh, to become an entrepreneur. <laughs> yeah. Now my life, I've, so I've started teaching spinning, indoor cycling classes, fitness in general, when I was 17 years old. Uh, so I started very, very young. And it was something I always kept on the side. And I, I, I did that through university to help with bills and everything. And then when I moved to Dubai, I said, no more fitness. I'm going to try to get a proper job. I would say proper. I don't mean to be disrespectful, but I mean, based on what I've studied. And then I ended up really not liking my day-to-day at all. At the the same time, I managed to get a part-time job in fitness. And surprisingly, things went well for me and I became full-time fitness. And then later on, managed to get get great partners and started Crank, Mm -hmm. the brand we own. But that's what shifted what I was doing here. So it went completely 180 degrees about what was meant to happen. And what you studied, which is often so many, happens to so many people that they go and study something, but then sort of eight years or five years later, they don't actually end up staying in that. Do you wish you'd stayed in that space? Like if you'd stayed in fitness and pursued just that or? To be honest, it's a very tough question to answer because I do see like having that as a great thing. And I've spoke a gem school once and you know the kids sometimes they don't know what to do and I say even if you don't know what you want to do and you are you are very inclined to something it doesn't mean you can pursue something later on in life Mm -hmm. that will give you knowledge that you won't necessarily have Mm -hmm. at a certain moment in time and by knowing a lot of things on the side and exploring a passion you can probably mix mix them but going to, to your question I don't regret it I think like I I love what I do. Yeah. It's not easy, but it's also very, very nice to know that the harder I work, the better I can get for myself and not necessarily for others. Because mm-hmm. I, I don't think it would be easier to start a company in tech with the com- with level of, you know, competitiveness there is in the market. And I see a lot of friends that work in IT and they're always stressed and, you know, and I'm always stressed as well, but at least I can teach classes and release that stress. Yeah. So to that, I know I'm, I'm very happy with the Good. path. So Crank is a boutique fitness studio. So for those that are, it's only in, it's in the UAE and Dubai and in Abu Dhabi. Correct. And it's a fitness studio that specializes in, if I'm right in thinking, as I haven't done a Crank session yet. Me too. I will, I will come. I will come. Um, but it's, it's cycling, which I'm not no, like. We have both. So we have indoor cycling, which is our, I would say, bread and butter. We yeah. do our ride classes, as we call them. In the dark. In the dark. And then we also have another class called Shape, which is a full body workout. And it's like a, a group PT experience. Ah, I yeah. saw that, but I wasn't. Okay. Yeah. Th- that I would come to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what we wanted to do was to have two classes that could please our clients. A different audience, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And what we do at Crank was comes from the fact that I've been lucky enough to experience all, focusing a little bit more in spinning, all the spinning stages until, you know, 
the early 2000s until today. And it was more the spinning stages. Oh my God. It was so cringe back in the days. Okay, right? tell me, tell me. Uh, tell so, me. you know, back in the days, you would, you know, studios or there were no studios, there were gyms, right? They would have classes. You would have to bring your bike to the spot, you know, because that studio would then be used for other classes as well. And then people would wear like weird lycra stuff, you know, it was bright light. Yeah. So you could see everybody struggling on the bike or just not doing anything, you know? So it was a bit a bit cringe on the sense that even the music choices back then were a bit weird. Mm-hmm. People used to write the tempo of the music and not the beat of the music, which ah. something that can pe- put some people off is if you're writing a song and you're write- not writing on the beat, it feels weird, you okay. know? So what I would say writing on the tempo would be you ignore the beat of the music, but then when the music, you know, energy goes up, you go faster or slower, depending on what you're going to do. And you ride the beat is much more, it's like you're dancing on the bike. So it yeah. makes much more sense. So right now, you know, the, the levels of indoor cycling classes overall are much better. Mm-hmm. Not if you go to a gym, but if you go to a studio. And what we wanted to do with Crank was, so we started five years ago, pretty mm-hmm. much, was to kind of facelift the, the face of fitness in general but was also to use the background that we have in technology and the background that I have my experience with classes and create something different. So if I would, were to describe Crank, Crank is a nightclub with bikes. That's what we want to describe it to because we also do a lot of DJ rides. Classes are in the dark, but we have these crazy laser lights on the stage and some LEDs. So it's when you come to a class, you come to have fun. So it's more on that sense, kind of mm. offering you an experience versus a workout where you still work out and burn a lot of calories. So a that's lot kinda, of calories, I think. In, yeah, in a lot space. of calories. Yeah, in, that space. in the sweat. And mm, I mean, yeah. I've seen the... Yeah, because we, we also have a leaderboard system, mm-hmm. which some people love to use. Some people, you know, because we have different niches that would come to, to a class. at the bottom of those leaderboards. A, <laughs> I think that's it what doesn't me off. <laughs> it, it's, it's optional to be in it, but... We have people that come for the music and the vibes and to do yeah. some moves on the bike and they love it. Some other people come for the bit of both, but some other come for, you know, the workout itself and, you know, burning calories and scoring on the leaderboard and kind of stuff. So the competitiveness. Yes. Which is always there, especially in, in this country. So if you had to get build your knowledge on music as well or does that just come with a job because you think oh fitness is one thing but i would have thought in what you're doing now the music is a key part to that absolutely music is essential so have you had to educate yourself on like songs that you like but also what commercial that i think people also resonate with as well yeah so i was very lucky to being born very delayed so my parents tried to have me for almost 20 years Mm. and i there was no way to get me out you know so I was born in, a, in an age group where I don't have brothers, but a lot of, I got a lot of cousins. Okay. And sometimes my mom had to go to work and had to leave me with one of my cousins, right? So two of them were amazing music fans and oh. they would, you know, I would sit with them and they would be listening to stuff. And since a very early age, I started listening to music and really liking music and understanding music. Almost unconsciously, like understanding it, com- understanding that there's a chorus here, there's a build up there, you know, the different genres. And they used to listen from, you know, Backstreet Boys until to Chemical Brothers, you know, more like different stuff. So in that sense, it was always something in me that I was lucky to be kind influenced. Of be part of yeah, be influenced well. in that sense. But music is essential. And when we train new instructors, is the first thing we address is music. Really? Yeah, the first because thing. Because you could be a really good instructor, but if you have no art, like thought for music or no yeah. sense of what's it like beat i guess beat, yeah. then Rhythm. rhythm yeah. Yeah, yeah okay well yeah i shouldn't really show you my yeah. dancing either 
But then I guess that wouldn't make them a good instructor. No. Could be a good instructor, but not good for what you need in the space that you do. But you know, it's very trainable. Oh, is it? It is, it is. Uh, And one of the things when we've developed our instructor manual, I wrote it, so it has a a lot of grammar errors in it. But uh, one of the things that when I had a part-time job here in Dubai in fitness and had an active job in IT was how do I get to do a playlist fast, you know, Mm -hmm. and how do I get to change my music on a regular basis? Because that's something we have to do, always come with something fresh. So when I wrote it, I wrote it in a way where it becomes very easy for people to understand. And we had cases where we train people from scratch and some of them have no rhythmicality. So we'll take them a little bit longer but they'll get there. And the way we try to deconstruct things is a little bit more easier to understand. Because for me, as uh, and for for all my partners, building a brand and passing our identity is very important that we choose the right people. And that cannot be a barrier for us because we hire based on personality and not on CV. Because the mindset behind it is, I can teach you how to become a good instructor or an amazing instructor, but I cannot teach you how to become a good person. And in fitness, being a good person matters a lot because when you, let's say you never come to crank, you want to come to crank and you don't want the instructor to be full of himself, you know, not paying attention to you. So you want someone that, you know, acknowledges people and speaks with people and is friendly. And there's a way you connect with that person by being a good person. And that for us is, it's something essential. So. So do you get people not to hand in CVs then? Or do you, like, how, how would you pick? So if you say it's not on CV, is it based on referral or, you know, go and speak yeah. to this person? How does it work? So in the first stage when we opened five years ago, we basically had only four or five instructors. And uh, you're now at 30, aren't you? Yes. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, so uh, we started with five and those five, I chose them based, you know, knowing them. And so there's a base that you're going to need to have that would have that experience and that will have that know-how from the get-go. Then after a few months, we start identifying clients that are extremely uh-huh. good, um, write super well, that will make life easier. But sometimes you also have clients that approaches. And then we see, okay, is this person, how does this person behave when he or she comes to class, mm-hmm. right? How is this person with our stuff? How is this person with, you know, what can we sense from this person? Personal brand. Exactly. And then we, we, we do that kind of filtering on that sense. Mm-hmm. And then we say, okay, this is a strong candidate. And we have, we train that person and the person becomes an instructor eventually. Or sometimes we get people emailing a CV indeed, but then we have to assess the person itself. Yeah, so yeah. it's more on that sense. It would never be kind of based on that. Yeah. I mean, the idea of going and I'm sure lots of people watching and listening have thought, yeah, I've attended a fitness class. I've loved it. And let me go and set it up because mm-hmm. it sounds... In theory, it sounds easy, you yeah. know, go and buy some bikes and, and, and set it up. And we all know that in business, it's not like that. What have been some of the biggest challenges that you faced in setting up the first crank or even the second one? And kind of how have you overcome that or what's it taught you? Well, uh, there's a lot of challenges, uh, especially in the UAE, you know, because when you open a business, the authorities here want the standards to be very good, mm-hmm. exceptional. So the first well, challenge... It should be. Yeah, well, it should yeah. be, yeah. So the... Um, the first challenges are in construction, constructing of the site, passing all the inspections and all that. But later on, it becomes dealing with people, you know, building your team and knowing how to interact with each one of them. And obviously, it becomes more and more complex as the team grows because, want it or not, you know, five egos versus 30 egos is completely different. Yeah. So it's somehow trying to develop a relationship with everybody on a sense that you understand people 
as a boss, I'm not very bossy. I'm just, I try to understand them because I, I've worked, I've been a, an employee of other places for so long and I've had my frustrations. So I always try to see how would I behave if I was them. The other way around. Yeah. Normally we avoid a lot of drama uh, because we, we said from the get-go that we are a drama-free place. We don't like gossip. We don't consent gossip inside Crank. We rather spend our energy, you know, doing what we do and people understand based on the criteria that we have on choosing. your values. I exactly. are behind that as well. So that saves me a lot of headache based on my previous experiences. But so it's sometimes easier for me to relate to them and address the situation. But I would say the big, one of the biggest challenges that we have is definitely managing a team and a big team. And I think all businesses can relate to that. Absolutely. What are some of the things that you've implemented in terms of strategies to deal with that? So you've said from the outgo, you know, we're, we don't have drama. We, you know, we're no goals that we're this. But what are some of the things like, do you have regular meetups? Do you do things? with you get people to submit what are some of the things that you do to help with that process so we do have meetings quarterly we do a call with everybody and everything but the best strategy that we have inside crank not just me but you know the managers that work close to me it's lead by example and this is how we try to pass a bit of empathy to the team we basically say whatever you are going to do whatever you've done we've done it as well right? We're not demanding something that we haven't done. So on that sense, I've done this and this is what happened to me during that situation. I'm here if you need my help. And it's basically leading by example is something that I value a lot. And people in the team that work closely with me are exactly the same. So on that sense, to avoid problems, when you have shown people and you've been through the same situation before and they might complain about something, then you can say, I've done it. It's not really how you're saying, mm-hmm. I understand you. And that's how we try to, that's the best mechanism that we have. It's, you know, roll your sleeves up, you've done it. Now you get someone to do it as well. And you can pass that knowledge and that experience. And so I think connecting empathy, it's mm-hmm. really important when building a brand and making sure the core of the business is all in sync. So that's on a personal one-on-one level. And then on the team level, we do quarterly meetings. Mm-hmm. We also do some team outings. We like to party, obviously. Uh, we do that quite often. It's Not, been one of your best ones. Oh my God. That was the first crank birthday. We rented a boat for 300 people. 300 people? Yes. So is that all like your clients and yeah, everything? Yeah, yeah, Oh, wow. That was even last night. Uh, actually, we, were, we went out for dinner with my partners and some of our managers. And uh, we actually were talking about it. That uh, we coming up to five years now. We got to do something like that. Ooh, so what are you thinking? I, I, my vote was for another boat party. But there's some other. We are very creative people in the okay, team. I love it. So that was, we, uh, we rented the boats to buy Marina. Took everybody out for four hours. Invite clients, you know, friends of clients. And it was fantastic. I can't remember much, but it was great. <laughs> <laughs> In terms of sort of, you know, growing businesses, coming up for five years, like it's not easy. How, how did you start to develop this sort of client, client database coming in? Because it's yeah. a competitive industry, you know, Very fitness, there's other studios. So you've got, this is what we're standing out with. This is what we're doing. But how did you build up to be able to then open another one? What were some of your successful strategies? So very stubborn in a way. From the beginning, I told this that my main mindset would be, I don't want to see what anybody else is doing. All right. I don't subscribe to any other newsletters. I don't follow other studios on Instagram, not by disrespect, just because Instagram is one of my biggest tools, mm-hmm. you know, these days. And I don't want to be distracted because sometimes, you know, the FOMO is real. When you see someone doing something that you might like, you get really annoyed at it. So instead of me spending that amount of energy 
scooping around and uh, you know trying to understand what else yeah i'd rather use that time to sit down with the team and say all right we've done this we've done that what can we do next so that happens quite often it's kind of like reinventing ourselves on a regular basis if you go to crank now and if you went to crank five years ago the standards went up and every single year we try to look at a studio see things that we can fix and improve on a regular basis so mm-hmm. it gives the client that quality but overall it's What we do is a lot extra to what happens in the studio because we wanted to do something different always. So that's the main part. When we go in, we never spend time talking about this and that. Because I had that experience before when I was working for someone else in other companies. We would sit down and our general manager would spend, I'd say, 50% of our meeting talking. Have you seen this? Have you seen that? And that Which would can be a bit demotivating, I think, in a little bit. It is. But then again... When you wake up, we have a certain amount of willpower, right? There's only so much we can take every single day. And if I'm going to spend 10 minutes on that, these 10 minutes less, I'm going to spend doing something else that I can, we can do. So it's more in that sense is how can I keep improving what we have, mm-hmm. focus on ourselves. We don't know everything. Obviously, we're going to still have to learn from others, but we, have, we know that we can do better ourselves. We can, do, we can do it. So yeah, so that's basically the biggest mindset that we have. I always, when we have a meeting and someone starts talking about something that goes off that topic, I say, guys, no, 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 let's focus back in. Not interested. Let's, you know, this is what we do. What's the next step? I know you do a lot of collaborations as well. And one of the collaborations I've seen, I was really quite surprised at it because I was running very badly on the beach. I don't do that a lot, but I was on the beach and I saw salt. And then I saw these people doing all these exercises with these headphones on and it was like I guess you'd call that like a silent silent disco, silent yeah. disco. and I was like but that's weird because that's a burger place and then they've got this fitness how does that collaboration come about and how has it worked it looked beautiful by the way but how did that work and yeah so basically crank more than a fitness brand we want to brand it as a lifestyle brand and life's about balance first Absolutely. of all I mean, I support cheat meals. I think they're good. They are part of everything. And Salt is such a dynamic brand like we are. And we thought, you know, we would be lying to ourselves by saying that our clients don't eat burgers, right? absolutely. So the synergy between the two brands is fantastic. And that kind of helps us to establish ourselves more as a lifestyle brand as we want to be seen. And attainable, I imagine. Because for some people might think, oh, I'm going to the fitness studios quite, oh, I'm not there yet. Or I'll go when I'm fit. Yeah. But that also helps people that are a bit insecure, right? Like if you're completely strict and you are scared about it, because that's a thing with people, right? They are afraid sometimes to start the fitness journey because they think that it's this or that. And it's not really like that, right? Mm -hmm. Obviously, it's important to look after ourselves and it's important to have balance, Mm -hmm. but you are not eliminating all the good and the bad things, right? And there's positives in everything. So for us, it also works as a, a barrier breaker. Mm-hmm. It helps us to be seen as a lifestyle brand. And we love to work with Salt. They're so nice to work with and easy to work with. And they look so good. That Kite Beach is gorgeous. It's you know? stunning. And then yeah. it all lined up and everyone was doing the same exercise. It looked brilliant. Yeah. What other collaborations have worked well for you? Or are there marketing strategies that have worked? You know, you yeah. come across as someone who's very creative. So yeah. I'm, I'm excited to hear some other things that have worked So well. going a little bit back... One of the things when we started Crank that I've realized is, you know, more than just trying to do, to implement the normal ways of advertising, mm-hmm. which six years ago are completely different than now, right? Because yeah. social media now plays such a big role. Let's try to create and give back to clients by offering them experiences and things that we can do differently. So we have done, I mean, only 
Last year, we've done over 60 outdoor classes in multiple locations. For example, some of the most exciting ones, Queen Elizabeth II, both down in Port Rashid yeah. with Adidas. We've done uh, Yas Marina Circuit uh, during the Yas Marina, during the Formula One weekends. We've done Salt, obviously, is one of the best ones. One at the Museum. Museum of the Future yeah, yeah. was one of the latest ones. Yeah. That was so inspiring. Then we also do collaborations with, you know, brands that relate to us, such as the Edition Hotel in, in Abu Dhabi. Yep. They gave us the nightclub. So we've done a class in the nightclub. During the day? During yeah. the uh, end of the day. End of the and day, then, okay. And people then would stay there for the weekend. For oh, example. wow. Yes. Uh, oh, and you've got one coming up. Have you not? With that? I saw your stories. Yeah. yeah. We've done with the W four years ago, four and a half years ago, and now we're going to do it again at the Palm. So we're all about like doing different things. And then we started to implement the silent disco classes, which, you know, it's a different experience because normally when you play through speakers outdoors, sound quality isn't great. Yeah. People can understand the instructor. So that adds a little bit of touch, a little bit of finesse to the event that we love. But yeah, we've done so many collabs and and we are we we don't want to stop right we just basically like to do collabs with the brands we identify ourselves mm -hmm. with and we like to do them on a regular basis to keep that relationship alive and then we just we just do that we love it so i think maybe someone who's watching or listening to this might go well i want to do a collaboration with someone what would you say what would you say would be the best things for them to do would you say talk to them on instagram would you say send them an email like what have been the strategies that have worked well in order to at least get your foot in the door to say hey we've got this crazy idea i would say when we are approached we like to see that the person approaching us likes what we do so the first thing we would do is see if the person comes to crank or not for example that's mm -hmm. the first one because you know there's a lot of similar brands in dubai and in, in abu dhabi as well if brand a wants to do something with us but brand B is also a good candidate, but the brand A is approaching us, but has no relation to us and brand B as we're going to go for brand B. So mm. that's one thing we, we look into if the person values our brand. So that's if we are approached. That's the first thing. If we had to approach a brand, we, we would sometimes DM them on Instagram or we go there to the place and, yeah. and see if they can get us a contact. Yeah. It's always more personal. It shows that you actually had put an effort in to go to a place as some people value that, I do personally value that because sending a message, anybody can send, unless you're too far away. So that's understandable. But Instagram DM or email, obviously we, we do that and mm -hmm. uh, it's what works best. But I would say face-to-face -face always the best. Yeah. And when I guess it's a personal touch and now we can do it, that it, it just makes even more effort to do yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. The whole fitness journey for you, though, you started young, you know, yeah. 17 in, in that space. And I think, what was the average age then when someone was doing it? Oh, 20 something. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, it was like very early. But fitness has, has been a big part of your life because I think I'd read somewhere that your mum had to sign a waiver for you to go to the gym. Was that yeah, right? Yeah. So maybe you can elaborate a little bit on so that. So it all started because I was a very fat kid. I was almost obese into the point where I was getting frustrated. I'm from Portugal. Everybody loves football, but I was too slow to make it to any team. I could not make it to any team. It's cool, obviously, the girls wouldn't even look at me, you know what I mean? That kind of sense. So I started to get a little bit frustrated with myself. And sometimes I would be bullied at school, which is kind of normal, unfortunately. So I told, you know, society can change. And I'm not saying I'm in the wrong, but I need to change. I need to do something about it. And was this something that you noticed or it was just through 
the experiences you were having with other people, like not being picked and not doing this. And you're like, oh, I need to go and change this because it's hard for children to go. It's me. I need to change. It was a mix. It was a mix because uh, I've always been a geeky kid, but came to a point where like, I want to be able to play football more. I want to join a team, you Mm, know, and my dad, I was born in Bermuda, by the way, which is a side note. And my dad was living in Bermuda a while. And he said, when are you going to make it to a football team? Let's go, let's go. If, and then I would go to him and like, oh, can I have a Nintendo 64? It's like, yes, if you make it to a football team, I'll pay five euros per goal. <laughs> so like, I'm like, okay. So obviously that was just, that, that's meaningless, obviously. Yeah. But uh, for me, it was more, you know, the sense of I was not good enough to do something started to upset me. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was starting to begin you know, my puberty years. And then obviously at school, like a lot of pressure, like people making fun of me. I didn't go to a beach and take my t-shirt off until I was 17 years old because I was extremely embarrassed. And it may, I mean, I'm not in the wrong, but I, I just didn't feel comfortable, right? So I started going to, I told my mom, I want to go to the gym when I was 14. She's like, are you sure? Are you sure you want to do that? I said, yeah, you need to sign a waiver for me to go. So every time I would go, I need to bring her paper. They would let me in and they would have a program for me to follow. When I was 15, I was a bit bored with the gym itself. And I, I'm from a very small city, so there was not a lot of gyms to go. And I started to notice the, the spinning classes and I'm like, I'm going to give it a go. I remember the first time I did it, I'm like, oh man, I'm never doing this again. It's too hard. I was, but I looked at the floor, I was so sweaty and I'm like, this might be good for me. Had so you st- started to lose the weight by then or there was there still more weight to still go? Still more weight, yeah. Okay. So when I started to do the spinning classes, helping the fact that I was growing as well, I started to lose a lot of weight and fast. And I started, and then I made it to a football team, right? But before that, for you to see, I was that bad at sports that I couldn't make it to any football team. I had to go play basketball. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, I started to enjoy. My best friend was there on the team and we were really bad players. We would lose every single match, but that also helped. So basketball two times a week. And then I was started doing spinning classes three, four times a week. And then I started to see big differences, made it to a football team. And then when I was... buy you the Nintendo then. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And then um, uh, when I was 16 and a half, one of the instructors that approached me and said, you know what, you, you have extreme, you have a lot of potential. Would you like to become an instructor? And I was like, what? I was so happy about it because for the first time, I kind of realized that I was being noticed at something, which never happened to me before. I've always been a good student, you know, that kind of stuff, but outside that. And in the fitness space. Exactly. Yeah. And for me to be, you know, I was like, oh, it means I can come teach and boss adults around. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I became an instructor when I was 17. So I was the youngest fitness instructor in Portugal. And yeah, that's, that's how it all started and made such an impact in my life. Uh, oh, and you've come full circle now. You said the girls yeah. wouldn't speak to you and you no, just got no, married last year. Got a beautiful wife. You know? Stunning, stunning, stunning. The yeah. pictures looked amazing. Yeah. And here you, you are, if anyone is at school yes. looking. You can be, well, hey, yeah. this, is, this is it. And by making change. Absolutely. There's something that I think is really important that. So those that may be listening, watching, maybe their child's going through the same challenge. You know, what advice would you have for them? You know, because it's got to come from them. Yeah. The more you push it, the more that they'll go, I don't want to be part of it. But what experience having been through it would you share? I would say time, time is crucial. There will come a point where as a kid, you will understand, you will mature a little bit and that's the best way to understand it. Pa- parents just have to be patient. 
obviously try to understand the companies around their kids. That's important. I've always been very well surrounded. I've had a very close group of two or three friends. Not I have had a lot of friends, but close friends, two or three. They've always like backed me up and supported me. So that's extremely important. See who's around your kids. But I would say for these days, they are completely different. I would say try to embrace technology in a sense that, you know, the, the more strict you are, the less the kids are going to listen to you. So there's going to have to be a balance. Yeah. But it's slowing trying to maybe inspire kids with figures that might inspire them. Mm-hmm. to become somehow a little bit like those people. And if they want kids to start moving more, they probably should use some kind of inspiration figures and and try to make them understand, you know what, if you actually try to exercise two or three times a day, you know, this is what this person used to do back then, you know, don't you think it's such a good example? So that could be a strategy to, mm-hmm. to get around it. But I think this day is way more challenging. Yeah. Who's inspired you over the years? Is there someone that you've looked up to? Uh, or? In, in terms of... Obviously, I'm a big fan of Cristiano Ronaldo. Yeah. It's going to sound cheesy, but he's, he's an inspiration for many of us due to his background. Mm-hmm. But I would say for me, my dad, my dad has been my, my inspiration from yeah. day one. I've grown up, so I come from, we, we were never wealthy or never had money around. My, my dad was an immigrant for most of his life. And I've always had to go to work after school to my mom's work because, you know, we couldn't afford a nanny or anything. It's not mm-hmm. normally in Europe anyway yeah, to have yeah. nannies. But I've seen my mom and my dad work all my life and I've learned so much from them that I use today. Unconsciously, I was learning from them and now I realized that all along. Yeah, yeah. But I would say my dad because my dad came from an extremely poor family. They, I know I had to start working when he was six years old, didn't have shoes, very, very poor conditions. And my dad was kind of always a rebel when he was like, he was a very smart guy. So when he was like, 15 years old, he said, you know what, I'm just going to run away. And because his dad used to take his salary. Wow. Yeah. So my dad was like, you know what, I'm earning my money. I can just go somewhere and get the money for me and start a new life. So when he was 15, he kind of went south in Portugal because he's from the north and on his own, you know, made me have a great childhood and my mom as well together, obviously. Mm-hmm. But he's such a great example to me. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Great mindset, my dad. So what does he say now? And he sees what you've got. Uh, my dad's a bit grumpy. Uh, <laughs> he's, um, so my dad is now 75. He refuses to come here. Does he really? He's, he's uh, never seen the he, studio. He holds a grudge against uh, against the fact that I'm in Dubai and not in Portugal. He wants you to be there. Yes. Oh. But he, my mom is an avid fan. He's always showing him. Obviously, he's happy for me, but. Yeah. He doesn't want to jump on an airplane, which makes me a little bit sad. Maybe you can see the podcast yes, and we can absolutely. try to convince Dad, him. Dad, if you're watching this, get back. over to Dubai. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, but going a little bit back and the way it impacted my life and my mindset as uh, an entrepreneur. You know, my mom used to work, work for Lacoste for... Mm, the clothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah for 20, 20, 25 years. So after school, I would go to the back room and I would do my own work with my mom. And she was exceptional with clients. She, if she had to leave later because a client didn't have what the client wanted, she would stay there and she would come early and everything. And she was so good communicating with clients. And my dad was also on another level. So when I was 12, my dad opened a restaurant, which was his big dream. That's why he was in Bermuda for. And every single damn summer I had to go and work on the restaurant, which I, <laughs> which I hated back then. But today he helped me a lot. You know, I've seen my dad dealing with his team. 
And I've learned from that. I've seen my dad dealing with clients and I learned massively from that. Mm -hmm. And also valid, helped me value my time and, and learn from it. Again, nothing was for granted. If I wanted something, my dad would say, go and work and get it. And helped me, you know, gave me such a big lesson. But my parents were such amazing professionals and behind the scenes, you know, people that have no studies at all, you know, yeah. that didn't go to school. They taught me more than sometimes I can learn from big entrepreneurs. That's lovely. Yeah, it's true. What's next for Crank? What have you got in the pipeline? So we now opened the franchise program. Mm -hmm. uh, actually, we've had loads of requests throughout these past five years. But our mindset has always been to stick to what we know. We weren't ready to escalate the brand. So we've taken our time to prepare all the manuals, get ourselves a, a franchise consultant company on the side. And now we're ready to, to expand. So we're looking in to see if we could get international growth. Within the region, we are very happy with two studios because we want to keep the brand alive. And so we want to have less facilities, but always very alive facilities, you know, always busy, always, you know, people coming, looking forward to come and not kind of like dissipate the client base throughout other places. But yeah, so next would be international. That would be the dream. Excellent. And if someone wants to, are you still doing classes yourself now? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So how can someone find you? What's the website or Instagram? You're quite, you're yeah, quite yeah. Um, active. active on Instagram. So maybe share your handles. And so our crank Instagram handle is crank.uae. I'm on Instagram as well as Nunu Costa Fernandez. And if anybody wants to come to class, super easy. Just go to crank-feet.com, which is our website or Google crank to buy yeah. or crank UAE be the first thing there and then just you know go on the website create an account because people need an account to book a class because you can book like a cinema you can book a spot in a class oh wow okay so yeah. if you want to be that person at the yeah. back that yeah, no yeah, one yeah. sees then it's and we need clients information not because we want to take that information it's just because after class you are emailed your stats so how many calories distance and everything you've okay. done in class so create an account head to the schedule and just Get cranking. <laughs> get, is that what you call it? Is it called get cranking? No, is we that, normally say yalla, let's crank. Yalla, let's to adapt crank. To that, to the well, engine. I have to say, I might not join you in the spinning, but I definitely am interested in joining the, the shape. Full, yeah, the shape class. Yeah. So count me in in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. I have absolutely loved getting to know you, your story, and we've only just recently met. So I'm really looking forward to getting to know more about you. Thanks for sharing. Likewise. It's uh, an honor to be here with you, Kelly, and pleasure to meet you as well. Thank you. Thank you. Did you enjoy this episode? If you did, then please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. This is how more people can hear about the amazing stories and guests that we have on here. Even better, you can also share this on social media. Screenshot it and share it on your Instagram or on your Facebook or on your Twitter account. The more people that see these episodes, the more awareness it brings to small businesses and those that are trying to make an impact and difference. And if you want to know more about how you can develop your personal brand, then check out our new website, Brand New Creators, designed by our in-house team. And we are in the business of helping you to increase your online visibility, build industry authority, lead change, motivate and profit. Who doesn't want that? I look forward to speaking to you soon. Until next time. Bye.